1: All right, hello everyone and welcome to Sage Advice. Tonight I have my most amazing, beautiful guest who is someone that I just care extremely dearly about. I consider a very good and close personal friend beyond just being a, a co-worker and such and um, that is Ella Darling.
0: Hello. Hello, my
1: love. I miss you. I miss you
0: too. Oh my gosh, I miss you so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so this podcast, I like to keep it just pretty conversational, but I like to start out asking some questions about sort of like how you got here, but more going way, way back into the past. So what was your first understanding of porn? As far as like, when did you realize that porn was a thing that existed in the world?
0: I think I have a story that is similar to an oddly large number of people. I think I came across some some nudie mags in the woods.
1: (laughs) Yes, I wasn't sure if we had talked about that before. But yes, there is the box of porn of nudie mags of old VHS tapes that you know, we've stumbled across in the woods. In my case, it was the desert. So, uh, so yeah, why, why do you think it is so sort of like ubiquitous in all of our stories that we stumble
0: across some pornography out in the wilderness somewhere? Well, if you are someone who is new to acquiring pornography, you might want both a private place to utilize it for your own machinations and a place to store it because you don't want to take it home. So you don't want to be caught with it or using it or possessing it. So, you know, you find a secret little spot in the woods. Yeah, it turns out the parts of woods where kids hang out, not that secret. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I think sometimes, too, it might be the sort of thing where it's like, buy some porn, but you know you can't have it at home because your significant other is very judgmental and not happy about pornography existing or their partner using it for pleasure. So you've got to hide it somewhere, (laughs) hide your shameful pornography somewhere far away, (laughs) which, you know, I don't agree with. But (laughs) And also, I mean, look what happens. A couple of kids playing out in the woods are definitely going to stumble across it. (laughs) I wonder if it's a thing that still happens in the age of, you know, internet pornography.
0: I bet. I bet so.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: I mean... Wow, man, I see it's it's a tricky subject because there's a certain age group that this tends to be like that first thing for. And I don't like speaking about that age group in conjunction mm-hmm. with like adult stuff. But right. I don't know. I think when a younger person gets a smartphone, for example, their yeah. parents have a lot of access to like block things on their phone or monitor their phone and stuff. So there's still, you know, that that classy old analog, that tasteful analog magazine porno. I That's think still has a place. Yeah, and I, I hope it does, and I hope it continues to, because,
1: you know, that's what I looked at when I was kind of blossoming into my sexuality. I found a couple of, uh, I didn't find these ones. I was older. Uh, I, w- I don't think I was quite 18, but I was maybe like 17 or something, but I think I paid someone to buy it for me or something. It's hard to remember that long ago, but um, but yeah, and I, I liked looking at the pictures um, yeah. even more so than when I come across well came across video and that was back when video videos very hard to find on the internet in general so yeah. uh but it was kind of the sexy part was sort of like letting my imagination make the movement happen in a sense that makes sense yeah yeah i find the photos like really erotic but yeah and so i do understand not wanting to talk about that age group it makes a lot of sense to me but at the same time too i feel a little uncomfortable with not being able to talk about our own stories because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, like with, with that in mind, your own story, uh, we don't have to say, you know, how old you are, but um, maybe more of just like what what was that like for you? What was that feeling when you stumbled across um, that magazine Uh, Was it, you know, scandalous, exciting,
0: scary? It was scandalous. It was exciting. I don't really remember what exactly I thought at the time, but I remember the appeal was that there were these like grown ass beautiful women that looked just like, you know, in the state of vulnerability because being nude is a state of vulnerability, but looking so Fucking fierce and confident, and looking just like they are, like on top of their shit. Like they look like badasses. They didn't even have to like dress up to look like badasses. They just like, it's like anti-dress up. Yeah, it was cool.
1: Yeah, so it's like more the the vibe that you could get. Um, You can see it in their poses and their faces. Yeah, that was intriguing for you as a young. But you were like noticing how. That it maybe even wasn't necessarily sexually stimulating. It was more like seeing that female ownership of oneself in that way.
0: Yeah. Well, I was already attracted to girls at that point. I didn't really understand what that meant. But it was definitely already – I had already had an, had my heart broken my crushes. No. <laughs> <clears throat> Through no one's fault but my own.
1: Yeah, of course. Oh, being young so tough <laughs> but so uh so before i i would guess was it around puberty that you were starting to recognize like oh wait this is like an actual this is a meaningful attraction, like in a sexual way. Whereas before it was maybe more like I have these crushes, but I don't
0: quite understand what that means necessarily. Or My crushes on girls were very similar in in amplitude and and in passion to the ones I had on boys. Like I was absolutely Hmm. in love with this boy named Daniel. I was absolutely head over heels for this girl named Angela.
1: Yes. And I didn't
0: differentiate because, I mean, they were the same to me in my mind.
1: So when you came up into like puberty and people were talking about like boyfriends, girlfriends, if you're gay, bi, straight, whatever, like that, it, it was just, that wasn't like a revelatory moment for you. That was just like, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah. I never, I mean, ever since I had crushes, I had crushes on, on, you know, just people, oh, not necessarily. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I well also up until I was maybe like, early 20s, I was very uncomfortable talking about any kind of sex stuff at all. So I wasn't really having big conversations about that.
1: Okay. So did you feel that there was like, did you ever have like a coming
0: out moment? You know, um, a couple of years, maybe two years into my adult film career, um, I was back in Texas for Christmas. My mom and I were out doing some shopping and stuff and we stopped for coffee. And she asked me like, if I'm bisexual. And I was like, yeah, and she asked me like, why I never came out to her. I uh, just like, okay, well, what did my siblings say when they came out to you as straight?
1: Oh, I love, I love that world. <laughs> I wish
0: we could all just live in that world.
1: We yes. will someday.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's that. That was my perspective. Like, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't impact anyone else. If we, if you wanted to, you can ask. But like, I don't need to. I'm not going to make myself into some like weird other like, you know, species of child just because i don't know it's another it's no one's business who i have sex with right unless you're paying me of course yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) but i mean that's that's a really uh amazing take to to have um for a young person especially because you know because we are raised in a really heteronormative society Um, especially in the nineties. Well, I know you're like a little bit younger than me back then, especially there was like a lot of emphasis put on, you know, uh, just everyone the default is straight. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to decide, if we're going to want to, you know, figure out who we are and when we do have that moment for a lot of us, it can be like, oh shit, like I am different than most people in this particular way. And so, You know, it can feel like there has to be this coming out moment, but I think it's actually like really uh, an amazing thing that you, you know, that you didn't feel that you didn't feel that like pressed upon you in that way, and that you, you know, sort of had to come out that that was like a thing you had to do to
0: someone. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I never really wanted to talk about any of that stuff with anyone until I started, you know, working in the adult space, which was. A huge I mean just working in adult was a big step in terms of my personal growth and like being comfortable with my own sexuality, my body, like everything. Um Yeah. It was really incredible.
1: So I do know that okay, so now I have more questions. Um so yeah, so there are other ways of coming out, right? And especially for those of us who do engage in the industry, it's like well now we have to decide are we gonna come out about this to our family, our friends, our parents. I know that you've been pretty lucky in this fact that you um, you have pretty pretty cool parents. I, yeah. I remember you saying that it wasn't that much of a struggle for you. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like?
0: So I had started modeling when I was 18, when I was still uh, in undergrad. And I didn't do anything even slightly risque until I was 22 years old. I had just finished grad school. I was working as a reference librarian and the associate director of a library. And that's when I started doing kind of like the more risque, like kind of um, fetish clips. So not like full on porn, but you know, fetish porn. And it was- Yeah, and was
1: this, this was in Texas, right?
0: This was in Massachusetts. I was- Oh, uh,
1: Massachusetts, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, so I was uh, working just outside of Boston and I answered a Craigslist ad. And yeah, it was, I was fully clothed, but it was hardcore bondage. And I expected the worst and it ended up being the coolest, best situation like the, this fetish producer treated me with more kindness and dignity than the fucking mayor of the town that I had to like deal with because I was the associate, the associate director. Yeah, And it was just like, wow, I'm making more in an hour than I make in a day at a job I had to get a fucking master's degree to do. Fuck that noise. <laughs> right? So I moved out to LA to get married and do porn. And my first, what I consider my first scene was for kink.com for fucking machines. And it was uh, Amateur Girl Friday. So they brought out three girls and they closed out in the morning, closed back at night. I felt so cosmopolitan. You know, this is my first porn thing where I'm, they're flying me out. Are you kidding yes. me? There's yes. makeup, there's wardrobe. Oh my. <laughs> you know, I was so. Oh, yeah.
1: Good. I remember having the same, all those same feelings. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow. Look at, they're treating me like a star. <laughs> exactly.
0: I mean, shit, I was a librarian before that. Yeah. So anyway, um, there I'm there at. That, uh, that first day on set at Kink, my parents called me when I was in the um, makeup chair. And so they knew I'd been modeling for a long time. And they were like, oh, what kind of photo shoot are you doing? And it was just like, fuck. Because <laughs> they were going to find out eventually, I'm certain. Yeah. And I know that they'd rather I tell them a hard truth than lie to them. Yes. So I just told them and they thought I was joking. Wow. But they were like, okay, well, are you safe? How do you know you're safe? Are you sure? Okay. um, Are you going to tell your husband or not? I was like, yeah, he knows. And they are like, okay, well, be safe. Call us after. Like, okay. Yeah, it was awkward. And they never made it my problem. If they had any problem wow. with it, they never made it mine. They're really fucking good parents.
1: Yeah, that that is such a blessing. Oh, my gosh. If they had a problem with it, they never made it mine. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're really fantastic wow gosh what a blessing so we we did we definitely jumped from being a librarian to doing a fetish shoot um and then straight into porn so what was it i mean uh can you tell me what made you hop on craigslist and look for and find um that first gig and you know yeah what what led you to that point and what What made you feel that even before you went to kink and did all that, like I could do this bondage shoot, you know, that can be for, for just a regular librarian, you know, that could be quite a, uh,
0: um,
1: a little scary or a little adventurous. So how did you get to that point?
0: So I got my master's degree when I was 21. Um, I, in undergrad, I got my undergrad degree in three years and I was taking at some points between like 18 and 21 credit hours, which is a fucking lot. Wow. Then grad school, you know, I did it in a year. And I was working all the while and, like, during all of that. So then I finished grad school and I got what was in that library system a full-time job as, you know, the associate director and head of reference and all these cool things that I was really, really excited about. Yeah. But it was only 35 hours a week. And I couldn't even, like, like, while I'm waiting for my train to come, I couldn't just hang out and shelf books because the union forbade it. So I had... All of this free time. I went from like taking all of the school and working a couple jobs to like, okay, 35 hours a week, and then what? Yeah. So I just started like. Look- also, uh, librarians aren't paid shit. Like, yeah. Shit, especially considering you have to have a degree. So I started looking at um, looking for like paid photo shoots on Craigslist and just looking for like gigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just little side hustles. I did uh, a lot of promotional modeling, um, a little bit of runway. Oh, that sucked. I hated that shit. Oh, s- uh, everyone, s- I
1: everyone I've talked to who has done that kind of modeling, like runway style um, stuff, is just like this was the worst part of my life.
0: <laughs> you will never meet a more miserable crowd of sons of bitches than backstage at a runway show. Like, yeah, they're competitive and cutthroat. It's like, yo, we're all here right now. Like, yeah, what what is wrong? Like, y'all need to start having sex with each other. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, that's all I
0: can say. I was just kind of browsing, but I mean, all through like all through school, I would just look at different you know list, like job listing or gig listing sites to find stuff like that. And so I came across this one that was like very adamant that it was not porn and it's not naked and it's just like this is exactly what it is. And so I hit yeah. him up and he's like, "Okay, you need a stage name. Think of one." And so I sat out on the stoop of my little duplex or I guess quadplex is that think My little like it was a really mm-hmm. old house that was. Four cute little apartments, yeah, and this was in Boston, in Boston, yeah, okay. So I'm sitting out smoking a cigarette with my dog, and like I just came up with Ella Darling, it's just out
1: of your head,
0: just yeah. I mean, it took some contemplation, but (laughs) okay.
1: And that was before you went to the shoot,
0: yeah, that was the night before he told me to come up with the name. Awesome, and so.
1: Yeah. I, you know, yep. We've all had that moment. I, I think, <clears throat> well, I had that same moment where I went to the shoot and he's like, Hey, what do I call you? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to come up with something. I didn't even think of this. Um, and now we're in just like such a different landscape. I mean, I feel like most people who are getting into porn now, it's because they've seen us on Twitter and they've seen us on TikTok and Instagram, and, like, they're well aware that we have, you know, stage names, and I feel like now people are just a lot more educated when they get into the business than we were, you know, back at that time, like, late 90s, early 2000s.
0: Yeah, I think the, um, the very sudden rise and thriving success of OnlyFans that yeah. brought in so many people who were civilians who would never have even come near our industry. Yep. Sort of, found themselves in a an amateur crash course in how to do adult content and man i i wish the best for them yeah i wish i i'm glad it's given people opportunity i'm glad it's given people you know uh, the opportunity to not just make money but you know get in tune with a certain side of themselves that they might not have otherwise yes but I feel the same way about this new wave of civilian come, adult creators as I do about young people growing up on social media. Yeah. In that, like, I'm so glad that the early days when I didn't know shit about shit aren't documented on the internet for everyone to see.
1: Same. (laughs) Well, some of mine are, unfortunately, but,
0: yeah, I totally feel you. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, oh, oh, man, it only takes a few missteps, to really, really ruin your life, and if you're, if you ever like spend time on the OnlyFans subreddits, like the creator subreddits, yeah, you see people who are like just at their wits end. They like made a hundred dollars last month, and now they can't reach that again. And it's like, you did, you, you took this huge leap that will absolutely have an impact on future job prospects, yeah. possibly relationship prospects, possibly like every other fucking thing that we have to deal with for a hundred dollars in a month. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: god my I <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's something like you know when I have younger people uh well not necessarily always younger people but usually contacting me at this point and they're like well I'm interested to get into the industry but I'm worried about blah 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 what is your advice and all I can say to them is like man you really 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 need to know because the consequences of this decision will have far reaching effects into your life into your future for Mm. the rest of it really so you have to make very sure that you are okay with any potential thing that could happen because of the fact that you've done this you know and I think some people are going to look at that they are going to take it all into consideration and they're going to do it anyway and I then I'm like then this is for you this is the job for you know that you know but like I mean it was definitely the thing for me but Mm -hmm. it's just that it is it is hard sometimes to to recognize like, you know, you're sitting here now, especially if you're young and you got this whole future ahead of you and you're like, no, no, this will be fine for now. And later I'll do something else. I remember hearing um a porn star that I worked with one time and she's doing all the things and she's like, yes, after this, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to school. And I mean, she was doing all that right, too. But I'm just like, these two things are not compatible. And I feel like it was a big thing uh, when I was listening to this really amazing podcast. I would love for everyone to go and listen to it um, by John Ronson called The Butterfly Effect. Yeah. yeah and so that there's seven episodes and it was talking about The Butterfly Effect of basically like this guy who decided to start this thing called Pornhub and like how it had these far reaching effects down to – you know, um, like autistic underage children in the middle of rural Oklahoma, you know, and then all the way out to all of these people who make a living in this industry. And so anyway, uh, I was talking about a performer who had worked for many, many years in the industry. He got his uh, nursing degree, got hired as a nurse, exited the industry. And then when the higher ups found out that he had been involved in this industry at a previous time in his life, they had to fire him. And they said if one patient were to find out that you had done this or they recognized you, all it would take is one complaint and they could sue the hospital. They could do blah, blah, blah. Even if the person was lying, it's just like, who, who are they going to believe? So.
0: They could sue the hospital. Yeah. That's insane. Cause they could
1: lie. They could lie and say, no, this nurse uh, touched me. In a way he wasn't supposed to. And look at him. He's a dirty porn star. So. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, even though I think that it is, um, it's bias, it's stigma, and it's obviously wrong. But that's unfortunately how our society works, and so the so it's just little things like that. I mean, we just we have to take those things into consideration, and uh, anyone getting on OnlyFans has to take that into consideration. But yeah, like I know a lot of people, or I know that there are people who do wear masks. And they think that's going to like a face cover mask where they don't they don't show face on their OnlyFans. But, you know, but then those are the people who are going to work like hustle for a month and barely pull in a hundred bucks, you know, sometimes. So it's just the whole thing of social media in general, like trying to make a living off of it and thinking, oh, I'm going to be a TikTok star, or YouTube star. And it's like the chances of that happening are just as much as being a movie star
0: You know, they're just so
1: small. But anyways, so you did your first shoot and um, you were kind of, it sounds like you were even a little pleasantly surprised by the way it went. Did you have any sort of preconceived notions of how it, it might go down? Like, what's your relationship with porn? What was it up to that point?
0: Which one in particular? The kink shoot or the fetish shoot? very first fetish shoot that you did on Craigslist. I thought the guy was gonna be a creep. I thought he was gonna like hug me a little too long and call me like pet names and just be like, you know, I I went in expecting to be uncomfortable and comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable because I wanted to see what this experience was like. Everything I might've anticipated was wrong, pleasantly. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it was uh, the, (laughs) the producer, looked like a youth minister except he, he he was like a like an elder like preppy looking dude who's like super super goth on the inside Ah, like yeah like just yeah just really cool dude made me feel so comfortable i ended up shooting with him several times so i've even flown back to shoot with him once or twice
1: oh my gosh i love that
0: yeah I um and yeah it was just it completely bashed all my expectations
1: so from there, you felt a little more emboldened to move forward with other opportunities. How did you come across your next opportunity?
0: Same, same thing. Just, I mean, from at that point, I just kept looking for interesting gigs on, on Craigslist or Model Mayhem. Maybe I don't remember. There were a few other resources, and um, and yeah, I just kind of had this fun little side gig doing at his shoes a few times a week, and you know. It was awesome. And so then I met the person who would eventually be my ex husband. And he lived in LA. LA And we had talked about, you know, eventually, like, maybe I'll move out there. I was Uh thinking, like, maybe like a year and a half. And then I was sitting in a subway one day and I was like, actually, fuck this. I'd rather just move to LA now. So I finished like one year in my job as a librarian. And then I moved to LA to get married and do porn. And maybe a week, little less than a week before I got married was that first kink shoot.
1: Yes, that's that's what I wanted to ask you. How you came across that? So, so you met you met um, your ex husband, mm-hmm. and uh, how long did you know him before you were like, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna go move in with him
0: now." I'd known him for about a, a little over a year, mm-hmm. but we from like first time we kind of were like, "Oh my gosh!" We like like we were hanging out and. Anyway, it was cute. It was romantic. Yes.
1: Oh no. The oh my gosh, I'm really falling for you hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, about three and a half months between that day, that night, and our wedding day.
1: Oh my goodness. So, so you you came to LA to get married. I don't know why. In my head, I imagined it was actually on the East Coast still, but Mm-mm. you came out this way, yeah, the West way, and just moved right in. And then we're like, let's do this. We're getting married, and so. It was before that, then, that since it was since you did your kink shoot right before you got married, you said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you had already discussed with him, like, this is what I've been doing lately and I really like it and I want to try experimenting more with this. Um, What was his reaction to that?
0: Well, that first weekend we hung out like we've been friends and we hung out together. We went to New York for a thing and then he came back to Boston and he did Mm -hmm. actually my my first like nude photo shoot, like Ah. official one. Um, yes. So like he knew he was he was fully yeah. there, um, and we talked about it. We you know we were grown ups sometimes, so you know we communicated. <laughs> and we discussed it and we established boundaries and respected those boundaries and yeah, you know, just the way that you do things in a relationship.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it was uh, it was always the boundary for y'all's relationship was that it was okay for you to do girl girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had no issues with that. Mm -mm. And so he didn't, it seems that, you know, he didn't have like a jealousy uh, with you. That wasn't even a thing, huh? I I mean, as far as your work at that
0: time. No, he was, it was all thoroughly discussed before anything moved forward. That was not something I was gonna. I just don't like keeping secrets from people. I don't like lying to people. Um, Absolutely. Especially. The people I, you know, I'm closest with because, I mean, other than the obvious, like, just, you know, having personal convictions, I just yeah. don't want to try to keep up with a lie with someone. Like, yes, it's just, it's, like, it seems like such a hassle.
1: So much work. Yeah. How do you keep it all together? I don't understand that either.
0: <laughs> I don't have fucking. I, I have ADHD, man. I can't fucking do that shit. <laughs> right.
1: <kidding. laughs> it's, um, better, it's better to just be upfront. You know. Exactly.
0: Like, let's not waste our time if, if this is going to just be a shit show.
1: Exactly. But, you know, you you were still, like, a, a little bit younger. I mean, I know in my early 20s, I was not as well put together, I'll say. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, so, but you just, I think you always were pretty insightful, person you've you've had an advantage getting into this industry too so then how how did the how did the first shoot with kink happen did you see like a a casting call did you get an agent when you came to la like how did that
0: all start working out i didn't get an agent until years later until the time i started doing boy girl after my divorce um no once again craigslist (laughs) Like back when Craigslist had an adult adult gig section, yeah. it was fucking lit. like, I got so much work from from that. I mean, who needs a fucking agent? Uh, that, that's, that's
1: it. So now more than ever, who needs a fucking agent? I hate them. Oh they're awful yeah. and they're garbage. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but so you, so kink.com had posted a thing on Craigslist? Yeah,
0: they wanted amateur wow. people. Oh, uh,
1: I didn't even know that. That's amazing. Yeah. So maybe you want to talk to us a little bit about your second shoot at King.
0: I was blown away. I was truly gifted. I was truly touched by the gods on that that day of days. For <laughs> listener, I got to be cast alongside none other than Sin Sage herself. <laughs> <laughs> It was what Hey, Ashbury, hippie kidnapping yes. scene where oh. I, I'm this little hippie girl, and I wake up in a, in a like a human-sized Barbie box, and you kidnapped me to be your little pet or something. Yes, yeah. and uh, you were in that box, and you were
1: uh, tied in a very uncomfortable position, and we couldn't have any air down there and I just remember watching like the beads of sweat falling
0: down your boring. face. I was being like pouring sweat. It was so fucking hot. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and like, this is early on in my porn career. I'm like, you know, I could still at that point probably count the number of people I'd had sex with on one hand or two hands, two hands, that's video. real. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But like, so I'm like, oh my God, I'm like a disgusting, sweaty mess. And I'm, I'm this beautiful stranger supposed to have sex with me, wow. <laughs> Not your lucky day, lady.
1: <laughs> no, whatever. It was so my lucky day. I got to meet you and I feel like we became friends really fast.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we definitely vibed. So that was the day that I learned about makeup sponges.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell our so, listeners about makeup sponges?
0: <laughs> so I got to the armory, you know, they flew me in from LA, picked me up. It's probably like from the time I left my house until this moment when I'm like in makeup or something, or maybe before, before, I don't know, um, I'm a solid three and a half hours in my day, so I'm at the armory. I go to the bathroom and I realize that I was on my period, like it just started, and I was mortified, mortified. <laughs> and so I go to the office and I tell them, okay, so um, I just started my period. And they were like, oh, okay, there's makeup centers in the bathroom. Dude, are, are, there, are there any out? I was like, oh, okay. That means fuck all to you're me. You're like, what do I do with the makeup sponge? I don't understand what you're saying. It's like, maybe you did not understand what I said, and I'm not going to repeat myself, so I'm just going to leave. Oh, my and God. I don't remember who was that explained it to me. Fuck it, it might have been you, girl. But um, Possible. Definitely yeah. possible. So the thing is, when that happens, you just roll up a little makeup sponge wedge and pop it right up there, and it creates a nice little spongy seal, and... No one's the wiser.
1: No one's the wiser, and they do but, this with the uh, boy-girl shoots as well. And yeah. it's just, I guess, the, the dude's dick is just going to be bumping up against that that makeup sponge sometimes. But it's going to keep it looking like you're not on your period. So.
0: Exactly, keep you keep you out of what is it, prison
1: for obscenity, jail? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, keep you out of obscenity court. Yeah, no, um, they,
1: they just won't even put it on the site.
0: The thing is. You know, with other um, paraphernalia designed for such regions, there's sort of a an escape hatch, you know, like you just pull a string and it's like, oh, okay, now that's gone. My body is no longer harboring that. Yes. You get yes. no such device on a makeup sponge. No. Nope. And I could not get it out. And we were at the airport, you crawled under the stall I just like just like doop doop. Like <laughs> Bam, bam, like, here you go, like, fucking Jaws of Life over here, just, like, got it. I was was just like, I got you, girl, like, don't worry.
1: And the the truth about the sponge is it is a lot more difficult for the person with the sponge in to reach their fingers up and have that grip capacity to pull it out again. So
0: if you have a partner, it does make it a lot easier. Yeah. I had known you for six hours at this point. (laughs) six hours.
1: It's true. But I, uh, you know, I've always been this person where especially when it comes to doing scenes with another person or doing sex work, it's just like this is another person's body. I'm sure they're not really stoked about what's going on right now with their own body. And I am just like, to me, this is no big deal at all. So I want like, I will always take an opportunity to to help and be like, and just so you know, this is totally fine with me. This is just, like, occupational hazard. I've got shit on my dick before. I've got blood on my dick. I've got blood on my fingers. Like, it's just not it, – it's just part of the – job and it's not even a part that bothers me very much it's just like okay clean it up and move on with what we're doing
0: yeah yeah we've got a schedule here yeah Yeah, I mean it's not like you hadn't already had your fingers inside of me a few times before then in that previous six hours so
1: yeah yeah, definitely so I wonder about that shoot do you remember what was so awesome is that I couldn't even tell that that was like it was kind of like your first uh pro girl girl uh, like sex scene and I, I didn't even so. know that at the time uh but you were, did such a great job you were so enthusiastic mm-hmm. with everything and I definitely encourage people to go find that uh the site was called whipped Ass for kink.com and you can definitely do a search uh, for Ella Darling and Sin Sage and find that scene and I encourage yeah. you to watch it it was very it was very fun and cool yeah but I remember you were just you you were so open to trying anything, and I'm not sure how many, how much uh, anal type of sex you had had in your personal life at that point, but I remember that the director brought out this anal hook with, it had a big ball at the end, and she was like, do you think that we could put this in your butt? And you were just like, I don't know, but let's try. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Can you describe that?
0: You know, when you go to a buffet and you just, everything looks pretty good. And so you just try a little bit of everything. And by the time you sit down and eat, it's like, I, there was no way in hell as all of this was going to fit inside of my body.
1: (laughs) Wow. That is such an awesome metaphor.
0: I, you know, I gave the old college try, but I hadn't really had much. I really hadn't had much of my body at all. Yeah. And so I tried and it was just not happening. And I felt so bad. Oh, but no. like in retrospect i don't even think i could fit that thing in my ass now and it's not like i'm you know getting anal blasted all the time but you know i keep yeah i, I try to keep active
1: right right <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was something about the shape of it that it was like literally just this big ball at the yeah. end of the hook you know and yeah. it would be different if it was kind of tapered or something mm-hmm. yeah. but it wasn't it was just like you're gonna take this whole right in there and uh and it's kind of a big piece and yeah i just um that is something you know butt stuff is like it takes a minute you got to work stuff in and that's even for people who do it all the time i mean you know there are those anomalies and most of them most of them do work in in porn where they're just like ah just throw something in there it's all good like (laughs) yeah yeah but for For most people, it takes a little warming up, it takes uh, a little like tapering. And um, even I was like, that's a huge ask, (laughs) (laughs) director. (laughs) Yeah, but that was what was so cool is that you were just so down to try anything. Um, Do you feel like that's part of, part of why you maybe got in the industry? I mean, you have, obviously there's like monetary reasons, but was it also like, I wanna explore this side of myself i want to learn more about my own sexuality things of that nature
0: yeah i think um a lot of it had to do with splitting off into a new identity because ella darling does not have the years of you know shame or embarrassment or timidness or whatever ella darling's someone the fuck else and so I felt a lot more comfortable. Like I mentioned, I just never really liked talking, like even talking about sex stuff. Yeah. Not Ella Darling. Ella, so Ella Darling was... can
1: talk, Ella Darling yeah. get down. Yeah, so <laughs> it was like
0: stepping into this, this persona that had confidence in areas that I lacked and enthusiasm about things that I would have felt like self-conscious to be enthusiastic about. And it was like, fuck it, that's Ella Darling, who cares? Right.
1: So you could, you could like compartmentalize it in that way. Yes,
0: precisely.
1: And so how many, I saw you just had your porniversary not too long ago. How many years?
0: Thirteen years.
1: Thirteen. So I'm curious, like in those 13 years, what has changed between the two personas? Have they had sort of emerging or like, how would you describe it now compared to
0: when you first started? Definitely emerging merging of personalities. I think they've both sort of built into each other and built onto each other and, you know, grown as a result. Um, there is still some differentiation. Like, very few people call me anything but Ella. Mm-hmm. But when I'm, you know, when I'm hanging out with my friends, they call me Ella. And it's just the thing that they call me. But when I'm stepping into the shoes of Ella, there's still, like, I think when I am, in like, acting in that persona, I'm a lot more uh, willing to stand up and enforce boundaries. Yeah. Um, A lot more willing to just not call someone out, but be direct and not, like, allow myself to kind of be, like, intruded upon, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that.
1: Well, I I think that just really highlights some of the ways in which this work can be really not only empowering, but therapeutic in a sense i mean oh, yeah. yeah i think about like my early 20s and jumping into work at the strip club and i think about ways that my boundaries were sort of i don't know if ephemeral is the right word they were a little more wavy they were a little more loose they were a little <laughs> easier to to push against and and how as the years have gone by and as i have worked in this business um that my ability to set and enforce my boundaries in those ways uh, has just gotten so much stronger. I think that's something that informs those of us who start young and continue on for quite some time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. After you left your marriage, you decided to start trying Uh, boy-girl. And um, I'm curious, like, what led to that decision? I, I feel like I remember you being excited and I can understand why in the beginning. And I'm I'm curious like how that shifted for you. And if you don't mind talking a little bit about that experience.
0: Yeah. Um, it was, I was excited about it because it was something new. and yes. Especially at that point, you know, I've never been like a famous porn star. So it was just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> it was new opportunity <sighs> for work um because I had you know I was living with another adult performer at the time you know I, I didn't have a safety net of having a partner that you know we shared a bank account so if I had a bad right. month whatever so part yeah. of it was financial um, a large part of it was financial part of it was just you know excited for something new excited to kind of like you know stretch the wings of my brand a little bit um yeah. kind of lean into my career uh-huh. um and yeah I liked it for a little while and then um Turns out I'm just not that fucking straight. It was it was fine. And then I was just like, I just don't want to fucking do this. Like, just not, it, there was nothing traumatic or bad about it, really. It was just like, yeah. I just rather not, you know? Yeah. Which is lucky, because right around then is when um, the VR company that um, my co-founder and I had started was in a position to sign, like, a two-year license deal. So I was luckily in a place where I could finally kind of excellent from boy-girl porn, um, at least, you know, typical studio porn. Right, right.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I uh, had a similar kind of experience, and it was almost not even at that different of a time from you. I feel like we were going through some of the same things. So I, I um, my long-term relationship ended, and I was like, here is this opportunity I could take. Uh, If I wanted to now I could do boy, girl if I wanted to, but I, I I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to wait on this. I'm going to contemplate it for a while before I just jump in, but I'm, I'm glad that I didn't uh, end up going that route because I I do think, you know, you're right when you say like, I'm just not that fucking straight. It's like, I just, you know, I, obviously I feel similarly. And I I think that there's a big difference when you are on a girl, girl set, Uh, Even if there are men on set, like doing lights or camera or uh, any of those other things, it's a totally different kind of male energy on a, on a straight, on a boy-girl set. And it can be a little overpowering, a little overwhelming. um, And I, I, yeah, (laughs) I can see why that would be limited you know like you you get tired
0: of that yeah i think in a girl girl shoot there's a sense of sort of equal just equality and equity because you're both you know women doing porn in a scene together um not that we're all just fungible but you know at the end of the day it's a girl girl and that they're weighted equally for the most part yeah yeah Versus with a boy girl it's It's this sort of weird wishy washy where does the guy matter that much? Because if he's someone that has a large following, then yes. But a lot of the time, it's, you know, they're not watching because they're a big fan of the male porn star. They want to see their Uh particular girl get fucked. And they'd like to see an interesting new dick doing it. They don't really care who the dick is attached to, simply as long as it's (laughs) entering and exiting. Yes. (laughs) And so there's that, and that, like, that sort of skews towards the the women sort of being a little bit more prestigious I guess on set that's that's a weird way to put it but no I know what you mean but then there's also like okay but you're getting fucked so like you know yeah I don't feel the same sense of sort of like equal like when I respect respect or even just you know just it's harder to connect with a lot of male performers it's easier for me to to connect with a female performer that I have pretty much nothing in common with than a male performer who I have a decent amount in common with
1: yeah totally totally get that I hate to say it but it feels a little sisterhoody, maybe with female with uh women performers yeah Uh, and that includes trans women performers yes I'll make sure make that clear uh but yeah at least coming from you know someone like 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 us who that's just sort of been our main jam, our main bread and butter. So I want to talk a little bit about your activism in the sex industry. Because, you know, when you said uh, something about I've never been that much much big of a porn star or something, and I'm like, whatever, you uh, not not only just with the activism, but uh, I mean, you know, you're always there on the red carpet at AVN, you're interviewing people like I I feel like you could have had I'm, I'm not sure if you did a nomination for like a crossover star or whatever. Like you definitely made yourself a, a little media butterfly, I don't know what else to call it, um, over the years. And I, I think you've been like pretty prominent. I mean, you're featured all the time in like articles that are not just about porn, they're about like sort of our struggles for equality and in, in those sorts of things. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear you like talk a little bit about that.
0: I got involved in the sort of activism side of the adult industry pretty early on. As soon as I learned that the FSC was a thing and that there was an opportunity to stand up for the rights of a, a community, I was fucking there. Yes. Um, and so that was probably within my first year, year and a half of being a performer. Oh my and I gosh. Kind of, yeah, I kind of stuck with it um, here and there. I, I was—I've always—I mean, I was the president or vice president of Amnesty International in high school. And librarians are basically like fucking punk rock activists, uh, advocating for your intellectual freedom and right to consume media yes. without <laughs> government interference. <laughs> around twenty fourteen ish, I think. Around that time, we were dealing with. AIDS Healthcare Foundation pulling some novel fuckery that they always do. They always try to legislate away our safety and our voice because they think they know what's best for us, even though they have literally nothing to do with the porn industry. And I don't know why the fuck they run their mouths at all in the first place. Yeah. But it was around something like that. I don't remember if it was Prop 8 or it's been, it's been a while. There's been so much. No, no,
1: no. Well, Prop prop 8 was uh...
0: Oh that's the Californians yeah. got to
1: vote on whether or not gay people should be allowed to be that's married. Right. But it was a, a it was a proposition, a right. uh, prop 60. Prop 60, goddamn, that's right. Yeah. And so they did pass the there was like a measure that was just for mm-hmm. LA City or LA County.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and that unfortunately passed, I guess, and it mm-hmm. has to do with condoms. Yeah. And I I think like, you know, anytime <laughs> Somebody wants to quote unquote advocate on our behalf without listening to us or talking to us. That is always something that people need to be really uh, aware of and really wary of because it's just like the man. The, so the the owner of AIDS Healthcare Foundation, the the head of it, his name was Michael Weinstein, and. He got it in his head for some fucking reason with all of the millions of dollars that they take in as donations for people who are thinking, oh, I would like to donate to AIDS healthcare to help people who need AIDS medicine. Maybe they're doing outreach in other countries that are poor. You know, when I hear AIDS healthcare foundation, those are the things that I think of. They're helping people in need. And instead, they took those donations and that money and they waged a war, a campaign against pornography. Um, and they just really had no idea what they were talking about. They wanted to do something similar to what, like, Texas has done with the abortion. Like, they wanted to do where, like, oh, if you see a porn with somebody not wearing a condom in the scene, well, you can sue or something like that.
0: It was basically... Um It it created a cottage industry of people who... Anybody in the state of California who had reason to believe that a porn video they were watching that did not utilize a condom was shot in the state of California within the time frame of that law having gone into effect. Mm -hmm. They could sue the production. The the letter of the law was written such that it excluded performers. So performers would be safe from it if you Uh. don't know shit about porn. Because... Exactly. Performers don't just show up, perform, and go home. We do our makeup. We do each other's makeup. We do lighting. We run camera. We edit. We do. We are our own production studios.
1: We produce our own porn.
0: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm
1: performer and producer. Yeah. Yeah,
0: like you only you're only shooting so many times a month. I mean, some people are shooting all the fucking time, and you know, sure, good for them, but but I'd many say, of us are not. <laughs> yeah, most of us we have a few, you know, maybe a few shoots a week, a few a month, depending mm-hmm. on you know. It's always feast or famine. So yeah. in your downtime, what are you gonna do? Sit around and twiddle your thumbs and hope someone casts you so you can pay your fucking rent? No, right. get your ass on on your camera, on your phone, on your get on premiere, you're you're pumping out content. Yep. So we wouldn't have been protected in any case. And yep. had that, you know, actually come to fruition, basically any information that came out, like your legal name, your home address, any any personal information would become a matter of public record. Yep. Which Puts us at dire risk of assault, murder, rape, fucking just having All- a fucking weirdo show up at your door because they think your best friends because they watch your porn or they sub your OnlyFans.
1: Yep. All of the horrible things. They would have just thrown us under the bus like that. And. Exactly. You know and and it feels I know you and some other uh, people actually like went up to Sacramento and we're, were talking oh, yeah, several and, times and and I know that 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 might be separate. That might be like the OSHA stuff, but I, I feel yeah, like it was it was AHF that was really pushing for all of this. like if they would have just left us alone, none of this would have happened in the first place.
0: It all bleeds together in my mind, but yes, it was all it it, it was all just a, a large domino effect of and, and they were they were involved the whole time. Um, Yeah. They definitely fuck themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke to several people in the Capitol building. I think some Congress people. Media. I had media training. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I I just, anytime they needed a voice from a performer to speak, because I'm fairly articulate. And yes. as far as audiences go, I'm pretty palatable in in terms of, like, they want to hear from an an adult film performer. What do they think we look like and sound like and all that shit. And you know, I'm a fucking nerd with a master's degree and it's, it's gross that it has to be like that, but to yeah. get people to sort of see us as humans, yes, they we wanted someone, I mean, I was good. I was good and I was available, but I think it made it so people kind of like realize that whatever their assumptions of us are, maybe aren't completely accurate.
1: Yes. And that, that is a really awesome point that you were really a, like you were a good spokesperson for a lot of different reasons. And you're right. It is fucking gross. Uh, but at the same time, it is nice to see it's nice to know that we can crack m- minds open in that way. That's kind of what I think it's it's like that's how we can get to the progress that we're hoping for is by putting people like you in front of a camera and being like, listen to her speak, listen to what she's saying and yes this is a porn star. What? You weren't expecting this? Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's not like how you think it is in your head. And I and I know that, you know, like with with my mom, for example, she had a picture in her head of what porn meant. And over the years of me being involved in the sex industry and talking about my experiences and having experiences like when I was in the hospital and all of my co-workers but directors I worked with friends in the industry they were all calling my mom and asking about how I was and showing like real legitimate concern and like donating to my hospital bills and that's when it cracked her mind open and she's like oh I guess it's not how I always thought it was and this is a community of people who support each other and so I, I do think that's like how we can start to yeah like subvert those expectations in these ways and like hopefully be seen as human. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we're on the way. And I feel like, uh, you know, always a double-edged sword. Everything always is. Um, Only fans is something that kind of brought it into people's living rooms, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, AHF, bad. AIDS Healthcare Foundation, bad. And if uh, any listeners want to support AIDS uh, Foundation research and stuff like that, I highly recommend you check out the Freddie Mercury trust that is going to be a much better place to make donations to and support um, actually getting people the help they need rather than political motivations for whatever stupidity that I don't
0: understand. (laughs) There's so much fuckery going on that if I spelled it out, I would sound like a lunatic conspiracy theorist. And yet. And yet. Scoundrel's going to scoundrel you yeah know?
1: there's always some wild shit going on that is for sure uh, and especially when it comes to sex work of any kind mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do know that it has been uh it's it's been just such a pleasure you know having you as sort of like a spokesperson and um I've always admired that so much about you and I've been so Happy to know that you know you you have been a face for this industry. And I think that's incredibly meaningful and I'm just really proud of you. (laughs) I
0: love
1: you. (laughs) Well, I love you too. So I would also love for you to help me answer a couple of questions we have from some listeners.
0: Lay it on me, baby.
1: So our first one comes from Big E. Big E asks, I am in a new situationship. Ooh, I love that. This new term for me. Mm-hmm. With someone I have been crushing over for a while now. I do have feelings for him, but I'm not looking for anything serious. My biggest thing is that we're simply having oral sex right now. And he is talking about having full-on sex, but I'm worried. The way he likes oral is so odd. There isn't a good rhythm and it's rough. Yesterday, my throat was tender. I don't mind a little rough oral, but his throws me off. I guess I'm worried that the way he likes oral is the way he fucks. I have been celibate unintentionally for nearly two years and I don't want to break my celibacy on some whack dick. Is the way he likes oral indicative of how
0: his sex will be? There's a lot there. <clears throat> yes. Okay, I got to say, I hate a situation shit.
1: <laughs> what does it even mean? It's like, Lay okay, it out.
0: you are talking to someone. And um, the big question mark is what the fuck are we? Like, what are we? What is this? What are we doing? Like, I don't care what it is. Just give me clarity so I know how to operate. Give me some schematics here so I know, like, the gist of where, where, like, where are we? What are we? What is this? Like, are we just just,
1: fucking, are we just going out to
0: dinner? Like, are you fucking other people? Should I be? Is that it? like, right. And it's just like, it's too early. Like when you start asking questions like that, it's just like, oh shit. Now there's like pressure. Yeah. It changes it. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, well I can't live in this, you know, purgatory of a relationship without some understanding, like, just give me a context. Give me yeah. anything because I just, you know, it's fine. Whatever it is, just, just fucking help me understand. So yeah. I hate a situation ship, but I, I hope it's, it's right for you, dear listener. What do you think, Sen, about, do, does the oral match the?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I got, I got feelings. Uh I got thoughts. I, I do think that, you know, in this particular scenario i would have a conversation way before i was like let's get the dick in there um in the in the part in the holes (laughs) (laughs) the other holes the non-mouth holes um so firstly the fact that you know the the way he had he basically it sounds to me like he had rough sex with your mouth Mm -hmm. um and I know that, like, that's something that I really enjoy. I love getting my face fucked, but that's with my partner that I've been with for a very long time. You know, that was in the first time that we did some oral, It that was not how it went down.
0: That would be jumping the gun for me.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think that the first times that you are intimate with, with someone, it should be a, like the default setting should be... Uh, vanilla, pretty vanilla, in my opinion. And then you have conversations about what you like as you decide to keep engaging. And then you can talk about how often do you like it to be rough? Um, what, you know, what works for you? I, I feel like your a sore throat the next day is extremely sexy. If that was something that turned you on, if that was something that made you feel awkward and weird, um, and it's not really something you enjoy, then I'm so sorry, but you have to use your words. There's no other way to get this out to, to that person.
0: Yeah, I have. So, um, in my sex life, which just very communicative, like just straight up ask like, Hey, can I do this? You know, yeah. it's, it's not a big uh, extravaganza. It's just a, Hey, yeah. this is cool if I do this. Like, fuck yeah, I love that. Yeah. Like, uh ah, not right now, but how about this instead? You know, it's just like yes. staying on the same page, keeping it going. Like, uh, there's a fork in the road. Either it's going to be fun, which one is going to be more fun for you right now in this moment? And yeah. I love having my Facebook, I love having my throat, bucket. oh, fuck all that shit. Right. But I have a limit and mm-hmm. it varies based on how I'm feeling that day, what I've eaten recently, you know, any oh, number yeah. of things. And oh, so yeah, there comes a point where it's like, okay, I need to step it back unless you want me to puke on your dick, which I don't want to because I'd like to see soon. Exactly. And that's not my preferred loop. Oh, so, same. um, <laughs> so like whenever it's happening, I just kind of, um, you know, just kind of establish, I'll do a little like tap, tap on the head, like tap, tap, like, okay. Like mm-hmm. step it back and then falls on my court or <laughs> <Heart laughs> mouth. Um, <laughs> and so when I'm like, when I kind of catch my breath and I'm ready to go back in, then I'll just do you know, start fucking my throat with a stick.
1: Yeah. It's a pretty almost- good sign. I'm ready to try again. Exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, and I think that's a great way to do it to set up these little beforehand, you know, hopefully you talk, you have the conversation about when and how you are down for a rough throat fuck. Uh, and then you can say, like, you set up these communication modes so you don't have to like talk about it while you're doing the act. So you can say, yeah, I like it, do it. And then, but if I tap you, that means like back off a little bit and mm-hmm. then wait for me to sort of reengage and then you can go at it again in that in the rough style. So that that's like great advice for being able to communicate like while it's happening. But I, I do think that, you know, if he just sort of started, Uh, rough sexing your throat uh, without really talking to you about it or asking how you like to um, give head, then I think there is a way uh, you could have a slight expectation that he might treat your entire body the same way um, where that he might, you know, just default to rough when, again, I, I personally believe the default should be vanilla and then you work your way up to rough. And that can be second time, third time even. But I don't think that – and I do I do think that this is unfortunately one of the negative effects of porn on the male population is that they see a lot of rough sex in porn and they think this is how we're supposed to have sex with uh, women or with our partners. yeah. That this is what they all want without taking the time and the space to ask if they like it like that. So, right. I'm not, my advice wouldn't be just drop that dick and move on. My advice would be like now you are clearly at a point in your, in your, uh, situationship where you need to have a discussion about the sex that you're having and that you want to have. And so, that's, that's one side of the, of the answer. Uh, definitely, you know, you have to talk. So I know it's hard, but you're going to have to say, listen, um, I like rough sex. I like you giving me a rough head, but sometimes it's a little too much. Can we, can we, uh, scale it back from time to time? I can let you know when I want you to r- fuck my face and when I would rather just like give you some oral. Um, and when we, when I talk about wanting to have sex with you, I would like it to not just be rough right off the bat there's that but on the other side of things too i also don't want you to look at your celibacy as though it's a second round of virginity you know you say you don't want to throw away your celibacy which you said is also not not by choice um on some whack dick You know, I I feel like when we were growing up, I I can't say if you're a cis female or or what your gender is, but I know as a female person growing up, I was told, oh, your virginity, it's this precious fucking gift. And like, you don't want to just throw it away on whatever. Um, I purposefully threw it away on someone because fuck that shit. (laughs) At the time I was really like, could I just get this out of the way, please? (laughs) Um, And even looking back, it's like, That, no, your virginity was not a special gift. And, you know, your celibacy isn't either. It'd be different if you were doing this for a personal decision, a personal choice that you're making. But, you know, it just sounds like that it's time for you to just get laid and just know, you know, out in the world, like there, you're going to have a lot of experiences that are not that crazy good. And
0: most dick is whack. Yeah, most dick is whack. You find, you've... It's all a little shabby chic. They're fixer-uppers. You find the things you like about it, you lean into it, and you make that be the primary thing that you you focus on. Like, there is yes. no there is no pristine perfect dick in the world. You you nope. learn to like the person who possesses said dick, and that makes the dick even better. Um, yeah. For the, the roughness, I don't know how long they've been going together, doing whatever. Yeah, so I don't know if this is, trying... like, right off the bat. But just talk about it i mean be sexy i just say hey i really want to have sex with you sometime but here's what's up um it's been a while so i need you to be gentle and if i say if i like tap your back and i say gentle that means you you pump the brakes and we go nice and slow Mm -hmm. and if nobody comes then nobody comes but at least we had this beautiful intimate thing together if everybody comes uh, yeah um i was i don't know what was the time period it doesn't really matter Um, i went through a period where i didn't have sex for For me, a a sex worker, a very long time like, fuck, eight or nine months. And it wasn't that I felt like I had regained my virginity or anything like that. But I kind of relate to, like, you know, I don't want to just go hook up with some random guy. Like, I totally, I've been fine this long. I don't need to, you know, the. The chance of success, the chance of that, of me leaving that situation feeling like, fuck yeah, that was awesome. I had a great time. And that person is someone that I would like to spend more time with casually as a friend or, or bouncing on their genitals, one or the other or both, who cares? Mm-hmm. But man, when I finally got laid, it was like, oh, yeah, this kicks ass. And <laughs> what was I doing? I mean, I was, you know, observing. A health and safety during a pandemic at the time, so that was my experience. yeah. There's there's that. <laughs> mean I was just like, oh shit, no, being like, excess Why am yeah. I? This is awesome. Why why was I such a? Why was, I, why was I so, princessy about this? So precious about this? Like
1: yes, yeah, so I like being dick
0: down. Sex is awesome. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like <laughs> since said, the fact that you haven't had sex in a while, like, man, I haven't had pasta in a really long time. But like I would fuck up some like Olive Garden if I really had to if I was having the craving yeah it's not it's not good pasta but yep. I'll get the job done and yeah you know then I'll maybe spark a little bit of inspiration for better pasta I'd like to try in the near future
1: exactly I love that uh, great analogy and um, yeah I think that's some pretty good advice so hopefully Big E will take all that into consideration get it Big E. get it. One more question. All right. This one is from Jay. I had the greatest experience of my sexual life. I was in a by three way and I was really hesitant to participate. And I was really nervous because it was my first time. But once I got into it, it was exciting and fun. And we set another date for another hookup. We did everything very safely. But one problem I have is that I feel very Guilty about it as well. Like I did something that was wrong and my family would completely disown me if they ever found out about it. What do I do about it? Um, Oh man, completely change the paradigm of the way you think about yourself in relation to
0: the world. Can you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If your family is not present during the sex you're having, then their opinion on your sex life doesn't matter if they are present then their opinion really doesn't matter and you need to call somebody. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, if they are present, then um I think you got more bigger problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, who gives a shit? Like, let's remove sex from the equation. Think about anything you do day to day, week to week, every little thing. Like, you don't want that broadcast to the people you care. Like, we're all fucking girls weirdos. Like... <laughs> You know, I'm sure you can think of plenty of things without me supplementing them in your mind. That you just keep those moments private to yourself because they're your private time. They're not mm-hmm. for anybody else to consume or analyze or have a fucking opinion on because it's your private time. That's yeah. how sex is. It's just your private time with a couple of other people who are also part of the private time. I don't like don't feel bad about it. You're having a good time. They're having a good time. Where at what point? does guilt enter into this? Because it sounds like a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, a, a cozy handful of people had a great time together and feel good about it. So good that they are already making plans for the next. Show me the problem.
1: Yeah, show me the problem. It's a really, it's a really good way of putting it. I, I think that, you know, if I was going to read into this a little bit, where I find most guilt and shame that in our adult lives tends to revolve around sex and sexuality, and I am 99% certain that that came from some religious upbringing that was indoctrinated into your brain, your malleable brain that is capable of changing in a beautiful, amazing plethora of ways, um... But when you grow up with these ideas that these are bad things and shameful things that you should feel guilty about, it pervades into your adult life long past the time that uh, you you should be feeling guilty about these things. And so, uh, you know, my yeah, definitely recommendation would be just, uh, you know, do remember that you are an adult um, and remember that you have. A very finite amount of time to be alive on this planet, interacting with other human beings, feeling pleasure, experiencing pleasure. It could end tomorrow, it could end in 10 years, it could end in 50 years, but there is going to be an end. And do you want to let shame and guilt hold you back from having meaningful, Pleasurable experiences in your life before you die. How how much control are you going to hand over to those feelings of guilt and shame? And and what's that worth to you? Is that worth just uh, not doing the things that you want to experience, not having the experiences that you want to have? You know, uh, there's so much pain and and heartache and uh, tr- trouble in our lives. That, why would you not want to do something that made you feel joy, that made you feel pleasure, and let yourself feel that joy and pleasure? I also just recommend that, like, when that voice comes into your head and says to you, This was a bad thing you did, try to notice that. Try to recognize that happening in your brain, because that is your brain, just that is the indoctrination. From this society that told you that this stuff was shameful, sabotaging you and you have a voice in your own brain that's stronger than that. So notice that other voice and tell it to shut the fuck up. (laughs) Tell it this is my life to live and this is all the time I get and I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I, I think that's one of the most, like, empowering things you can do as a person is just not let these narratives of shame and guilt, like, hold you back from experiencing joy in your life. And I feel so passionately about that.
0: <laughs> that, was po- that was poetry right there. That was some fucking poetry. Poetry. Baby hell yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so two sides of the same coin. You know, one, one side is that your family – does not need to know about this, will not ever find out about this. It is none of their business. And the other side being do not let this shit control your finite amount of time that you have to experience pleasure and and joy on this planet because it's hard to come by sometimes. So you need to fucking embrace it when you have
0: the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, Whenever you feel that sense of that little whisper of guilt that says this thing you're doing is bad, just ask yourself, says fucking who? Says fucking who?
1: For real? Yeah, who the hell did they think they are? <laughs> who are you trying to impress? Exactly. They can suck it. <laughs> Probably would so, feel
0: better if they did. Uh,
1: they would. <laughs> so, so I hope that was good advice for you, um, Jay. And thank you so, so much for writing in with a question. Uh, everyone, please write in with your questions. You can send your questions about sex relationships. And I know you've got questions about porn and how the industry works and how it's made and things like that. You can ask, ask us that stuff too, to sin sage podcast at gmail.com. And of course that is sin spelled with two N's and we love getting your questions in. So can't wait to hear from you. Ella, it has been and always is such a pleasure. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find your stuff?
0: Yes. So if you go to elladarling.com, that's E-L-A darling.com, that'll take you to, shit, probably OnlyFans, actually. I don't know. Go to my Twitter and you'll find Tree. I'm at Ella Darling pretty much everywhere. Just my OnlyFans is free to sign up. And I post stupid Indian blogs and shit video blogs.
1: And it's fun. It is elladarling.com. That is your OnlyFans.
0: I just typed it in, so I checked. (laughs) Yes, perfect. So um, yeah, catch me uh, Monday nights. I stream on Twitch with my friends. We play Dungeons and Dragons, and it's really fun. I play a satyr bard named Pepsi Maxton.
1: I saw that today. That's so cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she plays Pan Flute. She's in a little band that only plays Pan Flutes, and they're called uh, The Only Pans. Oh, my gosh. So clever, yeah. <laughs> so that's fun, but yeah, com will take you to OnlyFans, and that's where the cool shit happens, anyway. That's where you see my tits,
1: very true. I've seen them. <laughs> oh, first, thing you
0: know them biblically,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and yeah, and of course, on Twitter, you can find all Ella's things as well, and you can find her link tree and all that stuff. Yes. So please go and patronize her and enjoy all of her awesome things that she does. And thank you again so very much for being on my little podcast. I hope it was fun. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me, darling. I love you so much. I love you so much too. And thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you tune in next time for even more fun sexual stuff. (laughs)